up. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. What it is, because it's something special. Yeah. And sure. I know for a fact that me witnessing Endgame is something I'm going to tell my kids that I witnessed and lived through and what it was like to witness these movies through and through, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, Survive Endgame. Yes, we survived the Endgame. And it's, yeah, it's something that's really special and it sounds super corny, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Inconceivable! Hello and welcome to Inconceivable. I'm William, and with me today I have Alex and Gordon. Hello. Yes. Greetings. Uh, today we are going to be taking a moment to, since Endgame is over, um, to take a look back at the MCU as a whole. Kind of, one, appreciating what it is, as it's something that's very special. Um, and we'll get into just how special and unique it is. And also just some of our favorite moments and things that really make the MCU really stand out as a franchise. You know? um, what do you feel like? I think it's just so cool that with Endgame, we had the time traveling aspect of it and we were going back to our favorite moments and some of the things. You know, we had the beginning of. Uh, Guardians. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the classic um, group shot from the original Avengers, which yeah. was fantastic. Um, <laughs> we, and we got a little bit of Thor the Dark World. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and we had Thor the Dark World. Actually, stuff that we never actually saw in Thor the Dark, Dark World, true. I don't think. So it was, it was easier to, you know, yeah. so aside yeah. from the one Loki shot where he's uh, hanging out in his prison cell. Oh yeah, that's true. They edited that. I think that was the original version, and then they just like edited them coming in the back. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that. That was so cool to see. You know, scenes that you are very familiar with from different angles. You're just mm-hmm. like, whoa, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. How do you feel like, like we were talking in our spoiler cast, which if you haven't already listened to already, uh, listen to our last episode, which was our Avengers Endgame spoiler cast. Uh, but obviously there will be spoilers about Endgame in this. Um, they, the Rooster Brothers I'd say, actually said that it's okay to spoil it now. They've like, given the all clear. <laughs> Two weeks, yeah, I think it's, it's worth it. Yeah, it's um, good enough. Fair warning, there's spoilers for the rest of the MCU in this. Yeah, yeah so that's hopefully true. watched all 23? 22. To be fair, th- yeah, to be fair though, if you've seen Endgame, I feel like at this point, whatever you know isn't going to ruin your experience of it. You know, you just like Probably not. don't let don't let it intimidate you from like not wanting to go back and see the stuff just because you know what happens. You know, um, I find that I often enjoy media more if I know what I have to look forward to. Mm. Really? Huh? Yeah. Or I have a, a greater let's see um, a a greater motivation to actually like. Uh, 
consume the content because mm-hmm. I I know I know what the end looks like and I want to know like what the journey is to get it there. Yeah, I, I get that. Most at the same time, sometimes it's nice to if you've only seen some of the story, but you get the general idea of it. You can go back and watch some of the other movies that you might not have seen and be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so that's how they got from point A to point B, sort of. But it doesn't really affect the end story so much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, an example of someone who's seen Endgame but hasn't uh, seen all of the other movies is or actually our dad. Um, yeah, he's seen, oh, he watched Endgame? He went and he saw Endgame, uh, and he said he, he was what? pretty impressed by it. <laughs> he um, didn't tell me this. But, <laughs> did he, did uh, he go with mom? Would... I, I don't, I didn't uh, press him on the details of that. I but, can't imagine um, our dad just going to see a, like, yeah. a three-hour action movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was pretty surprised by it. Um, and he said that he'd seen like some of the Captain America movies. Uh, yeah. Like, I think he'd seen... He saw uh, the first one with uh, with me okay. when it first came out in theaters. Uh, yeah, so he'd seen a couple of those, um, and he'd caught like bits of Iron mm-hmm. Man probably in Thor yeah. as yeah. we watched them at home, but yeah. um, I don't think he's uh, had the opportunity to watch the Avengers movies. Well, it was funny because <clears throat> I remember a couple years back I was watching um, Age of Ultron with our sister, mm-hmm. and then my dad comes in. And, and usually I get apprehensive when my dad comes in during an action movie because I'm just like, is he able to handle this? Is he going to be okay? <laughs> and he sat down watching it, and it was like the, the brutal beatdown between um, Iron Man and the Hulk, mm-hmm. and just the entire city is getting laid to waste. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm looking back at my dad, and looking at this, and looking back, and I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to feel it, too. This is rough to watch. Like, before, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then I'm watching, I'm like, all these buildings and people are getting hurt and stuff, and it's terrible. I'm just like, I'm sorry, Dad. Like, I'm like, so sorry. Like, on the one hand, uh, having parents watch makes you really self-conscious. Yeah. On the other hand, I think they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they can handle it. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad you went to see it. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, a favorite... Like a top three? Yeah, movie. I was actually going to ask. Um, well, it was funny because, sorry, don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but um, when we were driving somewhere for like an hour, we had a plenty of time to kill, and Will had a list of the movies, and then we all rated them on a scale of one to five, and then kind of categorized them from there. Right. So I don't even remember what my list was, but some of them was like... I, oh, I still I still got it, if you if you want me to, to read it. Yeah, uh, so sorry, like being our top yeah, three. It's funny. Um... Let's see. Because I was going to say, what's your favorite? Because um, I guarantee that almost everyone's favorite <coughs> Marvel movie is an Avenger movie. Um, and I would love to talk about just the Avengers movie specifically for a moment later on. But right now, I'd love to take a moment to talk about our favorite um, non-Avenger movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for your list. Um, for me, your, Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your top three, and this was before Endgame, mm-hmm. was number one being uh, The Winter Soldier. Yep. Uh, number two being Infinity War. And number three being The Avengers. So yeah. your favorite is actually not technically a... Um, it's not an Avengers movie. Yeah. No, yeah. So that one's easy for you. My top three um, before Endgame, but I can tell you right now that it's, it's basically the same. Um, but um, Infinity War number one, Guardians of the Galaxy number two, and Civil War at number three. And now I would put Endgame at number two, bump down Guardians to three, but keep Infinity War at number one. Uh, what That's about, fair. What, what about you, Gordon? Um, I think <clears throat> setting... I think you would have to set... Uh, well, I think you'd kind of have to lump Infinity War and Endgame together. Yeah. For me, anyway. Okay. Um, and you'd also have to like separate them out from the rest of the movies because like 
they a lot of what makes them special is that they're built on the backs mm-hmm. of all the other movies and it's, it's the completion you know right right and it's on uh, a level. like they're just kind of on a different level because they have the build up like it's it's like the finale of a movie rather than yeah. its own thing um, so if you if you take those two out of it um, I would probably say uh, Guardians of the Galaxy I think Winter Soldier's probably up there as mm-hmm. well um Where's Civil War on your list? It's pretty high. I'm not sure if it's top three. Um, like, I enjoyed it, but I don't feel the same way about it that I did about Winter Soldier. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it, it was definitely a much better movie than um, Age of Ultron because it felt like it was the Avengers movie that we were hoping for. Like, it was much more character-based, character-driven. More personal. Yeah, they're, they, they all interacted so well, and it wasn't... It wasn't hinting up the things to come, basically. Very and, it, like and it was more of an Avengers movie than a Captain America movie. Yeah, even yeah. though Captain America was the focal point. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, like Cap and Tony, they've been usually the focal points of most of the Avengers movies, I, I believe. I mean, Avengers has kind of been an Iron Man. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. Show. Well, I've yeah. I've really appreciated yeah. a Civil War for the fact that it dealt with some real. Um, conflict within the heroes and it's not just taking on the stereotypical good versus bad right. it's like defining well what's the true good in this scenario and it's like I like that concept you know and it was more than just your like your your standard you know like it was different you know and I, and I really appreciated their different take on the hero standpoints and their views yeah. and what they thought was right I thought that was mm-hmm. really yeah. awesome it was good guys against good guys because they have different views on stuff yeah. and like what what does accountability mean when you have powers that other people can't even dream about having exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, someone was mentioning that the the thing that kind of took away from the like the final part of Civil War where everyone kind of splits off is like, well, we know that there are other movies upcoming or we know that Infinity War is on the horizon Mm -hmm. and we know what that's about so it kind of robs it of its uh, right. Robs it of its impact because it's kind of like it's kind of like characters dying in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, they die. Yeah, they could but be like back. they're gonna be back. Wesley actually is not very fond of the Civil War movie simply because he said that you know he's read the comics for that series I and he said they're very uh, they wasted a lot of opportunities, which I understand. At the same time, though, I try to separate that I know it's easier for me because I haven't really read the comics all that much um, but I feel like this is in its in a, in a way its own universe in its multiverse whatever sure. you want it yeah um, speaking of Wesley I actually happen to have his lifts on me as well um, and his top three was Infinity War number one um, Endgame at number two and Black Panther on number three interesting yeah uh, Black Panther Black Panther's in kind of an interesting movie because I feel like on a movie level like it's it's oh. like it's decent it's functional um like no gripes about the story necessarily like mm-hmm. i think it works beginning to end like it, there might be some slowdown i love the world building uh world building is great characters are great yeah mm-hmm. um design is good design is good as an action movie <laughs> i found it kind of underwhelming this is true. Uh, yeah. like like 
But it the, did, the first, not that the it didn't first, have good action. It's that as far as if you were to categorize this as an action movie, and if you compare it to especially the Captain America movies and yeah. the um, well, the Russo brothers movies essentially. Hmm. Uh, if you compare them to those and even like the Iron Man movies before that uh, the action just didn't hit Mm -hmm. for me in a lot of ways like I think um, especially the final fight between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger when they're on the when train on the train thing. with the yeah like it's just so much CGI that like yeah it and does, it was also really dark it was know? really it's, dark it's like, like it's like watching the like some of the moments in really old Spider-Man movies where you know that it just it, it it's all CGI and it doesn't quite hit the mark where mm-hmm. it's supposed to. There's not like functional. a. There's not, not like a kinetic. There's yeah. not like a visceral not a weight feel to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite like Matrix Three. Thank goodness. But yeah. oh yeah, Matrix. Yeah, that's it's it's kind of like Matrix in the way that it just it. You can well, see that it's not that great. Like, well, realistic. I'm referring specifically to the third Matrix, which had a big fight scene that was very clearly CG and probably some of the worst CG, ironically, in the latest part of the trilogy. I was thinking mm-hmm. Matrix Two when he's walking like hitting and, them. Oh, it, it goes downhill, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's because the CG doesn't get better in those movies, but they try to tackle more. Mm-hmm. So, in the first movie, their fight scenes, they were very contained, and they knew what they could do, um, and they tried to do a lot more practical things, but then as they were like bending the Matrix, they wanted to do more outlandish things, just more things that just simply could not happen in real life, and they just did it just CGI, and just, we're talking early, early, early 2000s. It was just not that great then, you know? We're still working on it, and Despite Matrix having a big budget, it definitely was not the top grade of CGI even available at the early 2000s, in yeah. my opinion. Speaking of jarring CGI, do you guys want me to ruin uh, the Marvel movies for you? Oh, no. For CGI? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. So, I didn't notice this until it was pointed out to me. If you look at any time uh, Iron Man or Rhodey or um, Bruce Banner are in a suit... Oh, Yeah. Like, if you look at them, the lighting and, like, the way that the the body of the character in the suit move, mm-hmm. you can, like, definitely tell that there's, they're, like, they're not in the same place. Uh, like, the, it's, it's mostly noticeable um, in the end of Infinity War when Bruce is, like, in the Hulkbuster armor. I would say, that, that's always been a problem for some reason, people being in mech suits. Yep. I mean, even Avatar didn't get it quite right, and they also had, you know, him being in a big, like, Mac Warrior thing. I don't know what it is. Just something about that's just hasn't been quite done quite right yet. Yeah, like, it, it, it looks a little floaty. Like, yeah. the, the lines are kind of blurred. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that was... It's always funny seeing behind the scenes for Iron Man, and he's just wearing <laughs> just like wearing, this... Wearing a dot suit. A yeah. dot suit, yeah. It's so sad sometimes watching it because you're just like, oh, this is a really cool movie. I can't wait to watch the behind the scenes and how they made the entire armor and everything. And he's got, you know little balls on his his arms and legs. (laughs) It's true. My favorite uh, movie, though, um, besides the Avengers games, uh, besides the Infinity War and Endgame, is Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that this movie cannot be understated because up until this point... um, the the Marvel movies have been very similar, very mm-hmm. tonally similar. Very we 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 had just gotten to the point where a Marvel formula has been established. Mm-hmm. I'd say by then you knew what you were getting, you knew what you were expecting, and it was at that point when people were just about were just starting to say that Marvel movies are getting kind of bland, mm-hmm. you know. And then right right in, right on cue comes in Guardians of the Galaxy, and why Guardians of the Galaxy is not only my favorite non-event 
this movie, but I think is actually the most important movie out of all the Marvel movies, is because Guardians of the Galaxy did two very important things. Mm-hmm. It won showed that a Marvel movie doesn't have to follow this formula that they have done before. You can take a totally different tone shift. You can do totally different things. You can have a totally different feel. This didn't only tonally was different than the past Marvel movies. This felt like a very different movie and at the time felt almost out of place, you know? But they did a good job of doing something different while keeping it in the Marvel Universe and still having the same aesthetics. But as a movie, very different than the previous Marvel films, you know? Um, Especially as this one was completely just, you know, out in outer space. This had nothing to do with being on Earth. Most of the previous ones, uh, like even Thor, which is someone who's not even from Earth, had a lot of stuff on Earth. This one, hardly anything on Earth. You had the backstory. That was it. You know? Everything else in our space. So it's like also a different kind of concept. But then also just as important, they took characters that had really no established hype around even for people who were avid comic readers it's like oh the guardians that's an odd guardians of the yeah. galaxy yeah. so Why is there a tree exactly so not only were they taking a totally different type of movie in the marvel universe but this is the first time that they proved that they didn't need the hype of a superhero that you loved as a child mm-hmm. to make a good movie they didn't need a big name to get the numbers they said that we can take any superhero we want apply it to our um like to how we make superhero moves and make anything work and then once that not only worked but as obviously it is for me my favorite non-avengers movie um it it just totally changed the game for marvel movies mm-hmm. and now we see tons of different things you know d- tons of movies trying different things and i think that without guardians i think that the avengers movies i'm sorry the marvel movies would be much more bland and tonally similar type of series you it's, know it's possible uh, i'm not sure I'm not sure that I agree entirely, but I haven't really yeah, yeah. considered it uh, to, to kind of yeah. I don't make think counterpoints. Uh, I will say this, though. Uh, it's impressive not only that they managed to make uh, a movie about characters that nobody knows anything mm-hmm. about, but to start off with an ensemble movie, uh, which I think speaks to both yeah. Marvel and James Gunn, mm-hmm. start off with an ensemble movie of characters that nobody knows about and make it work. Yeah. yeah. And make his character care about the characters. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the most impressive parts of the movie. Yeah, because if you think about it, if, if they just came out with the first Avengers movie with no prior history of the, like, the other movies beforehand, mm-hmm. then I don't think it would have worked. But with the Guardians of the Galaxy, it definitely did. Um, I, mean, I mean, I think it would have done well. Cause, it would have done well, but... Because they still have the ramp up of like, all right, we're introducing the characters and like here how they relate to each other and right. like all that sort of thing. And it's still the team up movie, uh, but it wouldn't have had the impact that it would have. Exactly. Otherwise. Yeah. Um. You you said something about um, the Guardians being the first one to kind of break the mold mm-hmm. of, of the MCU sort of uh, recipe. Yeah. Um. I would disagree with that because I believe that the Winter Soldier, it came out before Guardians of the Galaxy and it was very very different from what we were used to. We were used to like big explosions and like uh, it's like it was, we were used to like to just an action movie, you yeah. know? And like the superhero is going to be super powerful and all this stuff and Captain America was that but it was also a thriller espionage sort of spy movie that was not what we were used to with Marvel movies. So I feel I believe that that was when it they started to go 
started to branch off from what we were used to for the MCU. I think Guardians of the Galaxy branched off a lot more. Yeah. But it wasn't the first one. I, don't I will think. say that I don't disagree with you. Um, and I'm not saying that Guardians of the Galaxy is the first time they branched off, but I think that Guardians of the Galaxy proved that they really had no limits. Because I think that doing the espionage type thing, that's even though slightly different, still a very safe bet. You know, you're talking from going from like action packed movie to like something like James Bond. Like, yeah. it's not that much different to be honest you know you got it's a slightly different execution but still would I would still consider that an action movie you sure. know um, something like Guardians of the Galaxy action movie isn't something that comes first to mind what first comes to mind is more of the comedic aspect of the movie you or, know or like a sci-fi movie yeah, yeah it, it, it changes the priority you know because that's the thing is that you would think that a superhero movie always has to be action oriented first you know whether it be an action thriller or it be an action comedy whether it be an action espionage like action that's always the first one like but this one they they toss that and like no we're going to have different priorities yes there's obviously going to be action in it but it's not going to be the main description of this movie that being said uh, Guardians does probably the best job like aside from the Russo brothers of uh, making its action feel like kinetic and mm -hmm. yeah definitely I thought that Guardians of the Galaxy is probably a much more unique um, sci-fi movie than what we're used to because again it's it's most like a lot of it is humor based mm -hmm. and it's very very difficult to make a sci-fi movie where there's all these different aliens and creatures and planets and stuff like that and different technology and it can just feel saturated but with this one it worked pretty well they didn't have to be like they didn't have to explain every little detail of what technology yeah. did this and that or say oh look this character is a this alien or this alien this and, and it's just they just had it there Guardians of the Galaxy was a fantastic example of how to make a movie introducing a bunch of backstories very um, productively. Like, they only gave you just what was needed and kind of almost like they didn't just give you like, okay, here's the backstories. You know, they gave you the only time they did that was for the main character so you could have someone to be invested in. But then they kind of sprinkled everybody's, you know, thing throughout there, you know. And I think it really... It was very tasteful, you yeah, know. I was thinking that too. Um, and it like that that stuff is done very purpose, like per was done with purpose, yeah. you know. And that's not something that just happens by accident. It's very careful planning, very careful writing, very careful storyboarding, and just all the things that goes into making it so you have just enough to understand these characters while not overwhelming the story with backstories. Because when you got five characters that nobody knows about. That's a lot to work with. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, a lot of the time, they like to develop a character. They will rely on uh, flashbacks. And with Guardians of the Galaxy, they had the beginning of Peter Quill's journey as a kid, and then it just fast forwards to present yeah. day. And that was more and to queue up the movie. That was a nice. Exactly. That was a very nice use of a flashback. But, you know? but, but also flashbacks, they they're hit and miss. Sometimes it can kind of take you out of the movie and, and think to yourself, okay, now I'm sort of somewhere else from where I was before. And instead, in this one they they focused on emotion and tone mm -hmm. and the characters delivering some of like what happened in their past lives without having to visually show you guys basically yeah. this was a very emotionally driven movie as well mm -hmm. you know um, and I was just thinking it's like you know when you think about it technically it's not a flashback because that's how the movie yeah, started so really it was a flash forward from there on in exactly. yeah. so um, but they did but then they, then they did use that scene 
they did use a scene as a flashback to reference that beginning scene towards the end of the movie with his mother and that was like perfect uh, use you know I don't know if that was so much of a flashback as a hallucinating daydream or something I don't know I think it was a little bit of everything <laughs> yeah, yeah it was like, it, when you yeah. have a power stone in your hand you're gonna be seeing things yeah. no matter what um, but yeah um, when, we're ref- when we're talking about you know having what's, what's, what's so impressive about having all these characters and using them so well uh, I think that's a great transition to talk about the Avengers movie and I think it can't be understated how unbelievably impressive these movies are and I think that people are underrating the aspect of just how many main characters they have on screen how many crazy big actors and actresses they have in this production and how they have to get all these people to work together and like not only do they get it to stick but like as you can see by the like the box office numbers and the ratings like they freaking kill it like mm-hmm. it's unbelievable it's it's unheard of to have even something close to the quantity of actors and characters like Avengers. There's nothing else that's even close to this. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind is Expendables. And that's mm-hmm. not... like That one is almost done solely for that purpose. Whereas like, this movie is made as an excuse to get a bunch of big name action stars in this movie mm-hmm. and just throw together a plot that will be entertaining enough you know to have these people here but this is this is done in a much different way a much more meaningful way and then even at expendables height with the amount of people they had it still only reaches maybe even half of what endgame has which is just an insanely huge cast yeah and we've talked about it a lot but we were all blown away when the first avengers movie had six main characters and they're throwing they're going back and forth and it was very interesting to see them and we're all wondering how are you guys able to balance characters like this (laughs) such big egos and such personalities and actors behind them but then you watch Infinity War and Endgame and it's got like 20 to 30 characters that you know and you it's built and again, they somehow do it better time. yeah so it does feel like it's a lot better it's cohesive like yeah it makes sense that that character would be there I mean they had the strike team from the Winter Soldier uh, in the like uh, Avengers Tower area they had a uh, Secretary Pierce they had the Ancient One from um, Doctor Strange all these characters and uh, even characters from Infinity War like or like Red Skull from Infinity War and yep. Captain America the First Avenger. He keeps showing up. Never met Captain America in these movies, but that's okay. <laughs> One of the... Would have been it's nice such a cool moment at the end of Endgame where you see all these big title cards for these actors and actresses, you know, with really cool imagery with their signature and their character name mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the um, originals, I think. The original six? No, 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 signatures. no. They did... For for Endgame. For Endgame, yeah. yeah, though it had like all the all like the main actors did, in it. Did all of them have signatures? No, I think yeah. it was just the original six. No, because I, I know for a fact because I for some reason remember seeing Natalie Portman's on there as well. I don't yeah. know about yeah. signature. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just like and she was like a cameo, Half and they included her in there. Not too. even a full face shot. But it was really cool because it was like a nice a like good. almost thank you from Marvel of all these people who have been a really big part of these journey as these characters. And I remember watching that just really taking this, like, look at all the people that's involved in this. And you just see just the crazy big names here. And mm-hmm. it's, like, unbelievable that that they get this to work. Like, it's, it's, it's just insanity. And what's interesting is that a lot of these people, some of them, um, weren't even that big till they came 
to Mars. You know, sure. I saw a really funny article from a newspaper back when um, Thor was just hitting production, mm-hmm. and they said that Marvel takes a gamble and casts these two unknown actors for Loki and Thor, and yeah. you just have to laugh. It's like Tom these Hiddleston guys are kind of well known, though. Not, he was in, no, not really. He was in some stuff. He was. I mean, they were all in some stuff. I remember I mean, him in something. So. <laughs> <laughs> when did you see him in before <clears throat> Thor? Uh, Cranford. It was a TV show. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I hate to break it to you, Alex. Almost nobody's seen Cranford. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of two show. people. But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, Chris people. Hemsworth was, played uh, uh, Captain Kirk's dad in yeah. Star Trek, but that was, like, the only other thing that people would have as a, a yeah. reference point for him. Of fame. None of these people have played, like, main characters before. You uh, know? But that was also... I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about those two specifically. Oh, okay. But also, if you think about it, Hugh Jackman didn't really have a big part before um, Wolverine. Yeah. He was doing, you know, yeah. other stuff. He was doing theater, I think. Yeah, yeah probably. I'm not sure. I mean, he's so, back to doing theater. So, yeah. it, so, you know what's funny is that you think about some of the actors and actresses who have beef with uh, Marvel just because of certain situations, including uh, Natalie Portman, and mm-hmm. they still got her to go in just for, like, a small scene. That's a really big deal, especially for well, people I who know that, what's going on. But I also... <laughs> it would have been fun if we saw Terrence Howard as old Rhodey for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> I think... I, I forgot to say this on the spoiler cast, but I think the only character that they... Like, side character that they didn't bring back that would make sense to bring back, a.k.a. being character is still alive mm-hmm. was um, um, the assistant to um, oh crap what's his name freaking um, Nick Fury yeah Nick Fury what's his assistant Mariah Hill uh, she was Maria at, Hill yeah Maria Hill she wasn't she at the Kobe funeral Smulders. I don't remember seeing her at all I remember I think she, I think she might have been at she, the funeral yeah I think I'm pretty so. sure he was standing by himself, though. Yeah, he was. Like, I remember himself. seeing him on the porch, overlooking everyone. Yeah. And I'm almost certain he was by himself. Also, Could why be. didn't he like at least go up to Captain Marvel or something? She was on the porch with him, like right there on the steps, and he just she kinda... got. She got to be by herself. What? But she they, gotta they're be best front, friends. She got to be friends. She came all the way back after 20 years. You're like, where's Fury? <laughs> she got to be strong and independent. <laughs> uh, maybe they already had that, and it was just off screen. You know make such a big deal out of it and then just nothing yeah. so okay I guess yeah. Nick Fury's better mm-hmm. they um, did have a kid from Iron Man 3 though which I yeah. appreciate but he's also, he also looks like he's the age that would have been five years like he wouldn't have he would have gone with a snap most likely I think it's not important anyway yeah but you know um, I think that just that one single aspect alone makes these movies impossibly good Mm-hmm. You know, just just that one feat that you have to overcome dealing with all of these people, like it's insane. You know, um, you have movies like say like um, Venom. You know, where um, Tom Hardy essentially carries that movie because mm-hmm. he's such a good actor, and while the other ones fall flat, he's the one that carries the movie. You know, but with this, like sometimes like that's all you need. It's like we just need one good actor, to, you know, to get us through this. You know, just like to really just like push it through so it can be like good. You know, and sometimes you have to take, you know, take some hits when it comes to some actors, even yeah. if they were good beforehand, just falling flat on screen. You know, yeah. like and that's just how it is sometimes. You know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't, and that's that's kind of all for movies you know you have standout actors and sometimes you just have one that just didn't perform that well but with these with with these um marvel movies 
these are just like all stand-up people, you know, and you're having them all come together for one movie and working together. And that's like that's such a rare opportunity. They assembled. Yeah, <laughs> they assembled. <laughs> it's such a rare hey. opportunity. And they really take advantage of it, you know? Like um I think something to switch to related to the Avengers movie is how they're able to intertwine all these stories and especially the Russo brothers deserve so much credit because they have to take so many stories that they didn't even make Mm -hmm. and they made four movies out of these 23 movies yeah yeah that's a lot of content that they never touched. I can't imagine their hair is not whitened right now. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. And they, so it's not stress. like these people were here at the beginning either. When was their first no. movie? Uh, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. yeah. So they came in pretty halfway, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure they were familiar with everything, but like when you're talking about... They were small-name directors. They were yeah. doing Community before that. Re- really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they directed... Why do you think they have know. so many Community actors in all I, their I movies? Mean, this is true. <laughs> they directed a number of the episodes of Community. Yeah. Um, explains why it's so good. Community is one of my favorite shows, mm. by the way. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I can't imagine being like, "All right, you're writing the two-part movie." Uh, like, I don't even know what you call it. Um, Denouement. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. You're what making that means. the two it's movies oh. that's going to that's going to bring together all past twenty-one movies, and it's up to you two. The the crescendo, the finale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't the end game I can't imagine just like where do you even start you know and just like the amount of pressure that's on you to like not mess up and like deliver with there being one of this is one of the most hype moments in movie history you know bar none and I wonder if they watched a lot of honest trailers before this. <laughs> okay, don't do that. I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen did commentary. Uh, Russo brothers react to honest trailers really? for their movies. Yeah, yeah, for the Winter Soldier, I think. Yeah, almost yeah. positive. Um, they are very and, self-aware, mm-hmm. you know. And I think uh, it speaks a lot uh, to their credit that they collaborated so closely with the other directors of the movies that yeah. they were trying to tie together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. You obviously want to be able to work together with people, um, but being willing to to have other people give input on something that you're creating is is you know mm. uh, a good quality to have. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's it's crazy how just like how like I'm I'm just trying to get in their heads as far as that creative process of like because like what we were just saying it's, it's amazing that they have all these characters on screen but then I can't imagine how terrifying it is like all these characters you have to f- find a place for each and every one of them which yeah. was also a genius way of kind of how they subtly kind of split the um, and I'm not talking about the snap obviously mm-hmm. that is part of it but kind of how they subtly focused on one half in Infinity War and the other half on Endgame, mm. you know? Um, and it's not like they totally excluded the other half, but it's like they kind of like catered more to one side. And then the side that was kind of left out, they kind of gave a lot more screen time in Endgame. You know, obviously mm. you had characters that had equal amount of time in both, like say Tony Stark, you know, but he's there for a reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that There's a reason why he's got that. Um, in Captain America, also same reason, but it's also because um, spoiler um, our last movies so it's yeah. like it makes sense that they're getting a little extra spotlight you know um, yeah I mean it is like I've said before it is Iron Man's uh, series in a way yeah. yeah I mean he held the stones at the end so sort of um, what do you guys think of the journey and 
um, the growth of the different characters and how they changed over mm. the movies. Because I think the biggest one that we, I think all of us can agree on is Thor. He's changed so much since the first movie. Espe yeah. Especially because of Endgame, I, I would say. But yeah, it's just like so, so different. You go back and watch the first Thor movie and then you watch Endgame and it's like two different people completely. Yeah, I think that has less to do with the uh, the overall journey of the character and more to do with the difference in uh, tone that they were shifting. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Just yeah. to to kind of freshen things up a bit for Thor mm -hmm. Ragnarok. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's kind of they had to um, you know figure out some sort of middle ground uh, afterwards just to make it mm. seem tonally consistent. But uh. But yeah, like, I think it's, like, Iron Man has had a lot of growth, especially through all of his movies. He's also not even been in his own movies, he's been in other people's yeah. movies, so that helps too. Well, I think one of the biggest things is that his motivation for why he does what he does, he's always doing the same thing, but his reason for doing it has always changed. You know, at first he was a much more, I mean, he's always egotistical. Right. But in the first one, that was, like, his main driving character, but then, like, crap went down, and now it's no longer about, it's about, like, him doing it because he's, like, like he's scared, you know. Yeah. Like, and he's and he feels responsible for, yeah. like, the world. Yeah. And and at, like at a certain point, he feels responsible for the galaxy as well. Yeah. Um, and and that I feel like that kind of, it's a, I don't think he's changed that much. Like I think his his uh, like point of change is in the cave in Golmira, mm -hmm. where. Jensen, like, he figures out, all right, I got to get myself out of this. And then Jensen dies. And then he's like, okay, now I have the responsibility of making my life count. Mm. And so I have to do something to, uh, like, I have to prove that it was worth it mm -hmm. for him to die. And then more people die, so it stacks the weight up yeah. uh, in terms of his guilt, if you will. Um, and so he has to go to greater and greater lengths to prove that like it was worth it for him to survive mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't think Cap has changed and, and I think he's loosened up a little bit loosened up a he little bit he starts swearing a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Someone so was saying that like the I think I think Cap hasn't changed as much as he was more defined yeah. Especially with, like, obviously Civil War being a great moment for both Captain America and Iron Man as them really nailing down who they are as people, you know? Um, but I think Captain America was really, redef like, like really defined really extra well within the course of these movies. Like, every movie, you, you understood him in a new appreciation every single time, mm -hmm. you know? Well, someone, I think I heard somebody mention this, is that Cap doesn't really change so much in the movies because he's still, a, like, the upright, you know, righteous, like, person and character, but it's the world that's changing around him. He's trying to figure out where he stands in that world because, you know, he starts out in World War II, you know, it's pretty obvious who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Yeah. Gets a little bit more tricky after Avengers because, you know, aliens are attacking Earth. Yeah, he's going to protect it, but after that, it's his own country yeah. that he's basically fighting, including in uh, Civil War, and then he doesn't really have a place in Infinity War, and then Endgame comes around, and, like, and they all think, okay, we know who we're going after, but it's a constant change, and he doesn't really have a specific place that he can call home, or he, he doesn't know where he fits in with the world. Right. Right? He just has to, like, the only thing he has left is his principles. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Hulk has had a really interesting progression of things, and they've done a, an amazing job of adding a depth to this character that I didn't really ever consider. You yeah, know, it's much more personal. Where, now. Yeah. Well, like they they've done some really cool things where they have the Hulk as you've always known him in the first couple of movies, and it's interesting because Hulk hasn't like bef- like because the Hulk that we know as. Um, the one portrayed by um, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, thank you. Um, has only ever been since Avengers, and ever since then, he's never had a solo movie. You know, mm-hmm. he's only been in you spat around in other movies. But he's also had a lot of uh, development through all these movies that aren't even his, which is really cool. You know, I think you got Avengers, Age of Ultron, Thor Ragnarok, and then. Um, Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so these, he's surprisingly had a lot of screen time for not having any movies to, of his own, you know? Um, and uh, what's so cool about him is that, you know, you see him as a normal whole character that you used to, and then just as Mark Ruffalo doing a fantastic job of portraying the the, the doctor side mm-hmm. of it. But then um, you, have a, you have a period of time where he's kind of like stuck as Hulk, you know, in Ragnarok, and you're seeing what's that like, and you're focusing more just on the Hulk side of this character. And then you have a period in Infinity War where he's stuck as Bruce Banner and trying, like, dealing with that and, like, dealing with that character without the Hulk, you know? So kind of like the opposite thing. So they did a really cool contrast there. And then to top it off in Endgame, they kind of, you know, those two personalities come together as, you know, as one. And as you said, they're now at peace. So now they're almost one, like, more, like, entity. You know, like, that's such a cool progression as a character, you know? Um, And I just think that um, because he hasn't had his own movie, he's kind of gone understated. But he's, like, what a great job to not only keep him fresh throughout all these movies, but to really have some truly like really intriguing like character development you know Um, I think we can all admit that uh, we're not going to talk about Incredible Hulk uh, (laughs) except to mention that uh, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner uh, has been such a blessing and like a he's, like a huge benefit to yeah. the, the overall Marvel. I wouldn't have any like a nerd. Yeah, I wouldn't have anyone else. Like I think Mark Mark, Mark Ruffalo as an actor is fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. and you know it's right because when you see him, you just see Bruce Banner. Same thing with Robert Downey Jr. You see him, and you just see Iron Man. You know, you don't see these other people. You just see them as their character, and he just he just fits in so well. And he is just it's just some so he has come so iconically close to this character you know um and it's just i think that that's kind of a level that you only ch- achieve by truly mastering what it is to be your character you know um and it's really really cool um and yeah i think he's been awesome i wouldn't have anyone else play him at this point you know fair enough um i've had a very hard time seeing him as anyone else for a long time at this point you know mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think uh, are kind of the the low points in the mm. Marvel Cinematic Universe? First one comes to mind is the, this the Thor movies. You know, like obviously, like it was it was it was his first movie was almost kind of gimmicky mm-hmm. in a way. You know, but it, the Marvel uh, movies were kind of new, so it was like it was given a pass. You know, you know, yeah. it was it was allowed to be a little bit more. You, you know, like back then, you were allowed to take more of the bad. But now, looking at how crazy good Marvel movies are, you look at that and you're just like, you know, honestly, that wasn't that good. And then yeah. on top of that, you had the sequel, which was really not good. Um, that's that's probably one of the only two movies I would consider maybe not a good movie. Because the yeah. crazy thing is, is that even bad Marvel movies 
for the most part, are great movies. You know, <laughs> so you know you can watch them. They're not like exactly terrible. The, you know? the two movies I would make an argument that maybe they don't follow as a decent movie is the second um, Iron. I'm sorry, the second um, Thor and the original Incredible Hulk. You know, mm-hmm. those are the only two that'd be like mm, they might just fall just below average. You know, um, well, the Incredible Hulk kind of felt like an afterthought when it was uh, tied in with the MCU well, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, the end's credit scene, and that's it, basically. Iron Man and Incredible Hulk came out the same year. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, then also, let's not forget that Incredible Hulk is has this weird thing where it's made by Universal, so Mm -hmm. it's not it's Mm -hmm. not a Disney movie. So I think there's a very good reason they weren't Disney movies. They were Marvel Studios, but they weren't Disney movies until 2012. Fair enough. Um, but, but same but people because yeah. even when Disney bought them out same people so the same people behind the Marvel movies that you know today mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the Incredible so it's kind of a weird a weird one yeah. you know like a weird hybrid which yeah. is, which I think uh, speaks to why Incredible Hulk hasn't had his own movie since then mm-hmm. um, because they'd rather have all the rights you know I think that's, and I think it's fine, honestly. You know, because like I don't think he needs his own movie. Yeah, no, I've been incredibly happy with the stuff that he's gotten throughout these other movies. You mm-hmm. know, um, so we're talking about movie like Marvel movies that are not great or just not good, or are are like on the just you know ones that we just the lower end ones. Yeah, lower end, um, <laughs> I can pull. Up. Let's, I can pull up our list for you, man. Um, your your bottom three was. Iron Man 2, Dark World, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's fair. And my what bottom... What was my top... What was my four, fourth one, though? Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. It was fun. I can I can leave the Ant-Man movies, honestly. Um, like, I, I realized that they... Which I feel bad because he was so good in Endgame, in my opinion. He's a he, great character, He's a great but, character. Well, he, he's a I fun character. He's, he's a super likable dude and, like, very relatable, but I'm just not... Like, I, I've watched both movies. Yeah. But I, I think uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp was, I think I've said this before, the first Marvel movie since the first Thor that I didn't go see in theaters hmm. because oh. I just I don't really care about Ant-Man. I probably wouldn't have seen the first one uh, if I didn't have a friend who was like, hey, I haven't seen it. We need to go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. yeah no, uh, he works well as a fanboy of the Avengers. Yeah. I, I think Ant-Man has the same quality as uh, Bruce Banner in a way that uh, he works great in an ensemble movie, but he doesn't need his own movie. Okay. I respect that. Speaking of low points, and this is kind of an interesting one to talk about as we were just previously praising it, but Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Age of Ultron is kind of like a blessing in disguise because I don't think that Infinity War and Endgame would be as good if if uh, Ultron wasn't a disappointment. You know, We were shown that just because it's an Avengers movie does not make it a... like a great movie you know like they, you can't like these people can't actually fail at making an Avengers movie and I don't think they failed but I think that it was disappointing they missed the mark they really I yeah I think that's a good way to say it is that they just they just missed the mark you know yeah uh, one of the things that I do really appreciate about Age Voltron mostly because it's connected to Endgame now is um, when Tony Stark is talking about building like like suit of armor. armor around the world, yeah. yeah. And he's like basically getting to the point where he's paranoid. So of course he makes Ultron to try and figure out how to, you know, protect the world. And then you see Tony like 
you know, just like ranting on all the other people when he gets back to Earth in Endgame. He's just saying to like, you guys all remember, I was saying we need to protect this world and we all were going to stick together to the bitter end. Well, guess what, Cap? We weren't together at the end. And I was like, mm. this is yeah. hard because I remember him saying that speech and yeah. it's it's tough because it, I feel like he's kind of right, but at the same time, I don't think that they would have done much better, you know? Yeah. I think the interesting thing about Ultron to me and about a lot of uh, the other movies is uh, I feel like uh, over the past few years I've become somewhat jaded and and kind of nitpick a whole bunch about movies and like what works and what what, what doesn't yeah. um, but one thing that uh, really makes a movie that I like is watching characters interact with each other mm. and say what you will about Ultron for the most part that like the the good thing about Age of Ultron is they have some really great character interactions. Yeah, uh, they do. And yeah. character moments. And I think, uh, <laughs> you know, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, take the movie at, like as a movie and kind of parse out like what works and what what, what doesn't. Um, I think action wise, it's fine. Uh, but plot wise, if you want to dissect that, you know, go ahead. Uh, but I do just so thoroughly enjoy watching these characters interact with each other that I don't have any beef with Age of Ultron. Well, I wow. think, I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the scenes that you're referring to is the scene between Cap and uh, Tony when they're chopping wood, and they're just, like, going back and forth, and it's it's a prelude to Civil War. Like, they're yeah. both Man. on two very different sides, and it's just it's such a small moment, moment in a Marvel movie, mm -hmm. but they're, they're just chopping wood, and then uh, then Cap rips a piece rips of wood a log in half. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and then Tony's just like, don't steal from my pile, which is, like, half I mean, the size, quarter. Speaking of things that connect from Age of Ultron to Endgame, I mean, the scene with the hammer, you know? Mm. Yeah, well, that's just a and fun thing. I, I'm basically personally taking this as canon I thoroughly believe that Captain America could have picked up the hammer at that point and he chose not to I believe that I because I think that that'd be cool especially what confirmed it for me at least in my eyes like I said there's no like official statements about this about whether this is canon or not but when he grabbed the hammer in Endgame Thor immediately was like I knew it like and he was so happy about it you know because which but, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not weird. sure I believe because he, he was scared he seemed like yeah he was scared and he yeah. seemed awfully relieved in Age of Ultron that well, he wasn't able to pick I it up I think that because I think that he wanted so badly to convince himself that he was the only one that is like see no I was mm -hmm. right because he was like like, so paranoid, right? Because... Well, if he's not the only one who's worthy in that group, then what is he exactly, you know? Because then they can wield the power of Thor, and then he's... Right, exactly. And I think yeah. that that was him kind of being like, this is my stick, right? And he was showing to the group that's like, that's right. I'm the only guy that can wield this hammer. And this was also before we had Vision, who can also mm -hmm. do that. So I think that between Vision having the hammer and through events through Ragnarok, I think that Thor was a much more insecure person at yeah. that point. So that was a much bigger deal. And I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why Cap didn't do that, because he knew that. Yeah, like, he... I think I think both of them knew that the only way for uh, this to play out was if no one else could lift the hammer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, you know, as insecure as Thor was, he, he just didn't he just didn't want to end up with egg on his face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it was less about like oh, you know, Captain America's not worthy, and like I'm, you know, fully yeah, because he Thor he didn't was, come he into this like. 
are like, you guys should try it. You, sh- you should see if you should live. Like, it'd be yeah. cool if you, like, no, no, no. He's like, you guys can't do it. Try all you want. You can never do it. Like, yeah. it's impossible. You aren't worth, like, it, judging by Thor's mentality, he did not want someone else to pick it up. Mm-hmm. It was him proving his own worth, just yeah. saying, like, yeah, guys just aren't worthy. Uh, you know? I don't know what it constitutes to be worthy, but <laughs> especially not, like, a, in a challenge scenario. Um, I think one thing to indicate that um, Cap was able to do it is if you watch his reaction it's very sort of uh like it, it's it's understated but it's like it looks like he's pr- like it looks like cap is pretending to be disappointed yeah um, yeah he, he looks surprisingly calm about it. he was like oh, almost had it you know he's yeah. like ah oh, you know just couldn't do it you know and like, he seemed and kinda... like he's we've seen you know, we've seen Thor like really go at like trying to lift the hammer. Uh, yeah. And like we've seen Cap like pull a helicopter out of the sky. So like if he's actually trying, he would have been like way more like exerting. physically, yeah, yeah, exerting way harder. Like as it is, sure he's just, he's just yeah. kind of flexing. Uh, yeah, you just see, and f- like he looks like he's like putting in the effort. Um, well, that also might have been like to like it, it, they're acting and it's literally just on a table. Well, so yeah, but they're, because they're like, here's, here's the interesting thing: that. is that I think that the hammer, the hammer itself, isn't heavy. It's just it can only be moved by certain people. So it's mm-hmm. like I think that when you look at the hammer, right? If you can't move it, it just simply will not move. It's not a movable object. So yeah. just by grabbing on the handle, I'm pretty sure you can tell that oh, this literally is like cement. Like it's yeah. not budging. It doesn't go. Anywhere. But if you're someone who can move it, I'm pretty sure you can tell by gripping it. They're like, hmm, no, I feel like I feel like this is this is something that could potentially move. Yeah, you know, like it's still it's still fairly heavy. Like you're not just going yeah. to be able to pick it up. So like if you have the strength to move it, uh, or like if you're able to move it uh, and you have the strength, you know. But it's not like magically heavy. It's just it, normal. Yeah, heavy, you I know? don't know if it's like super heavy either. Because I mean, it is, <laughs> it's supposed to be like star metal, right? If you yeah. remember in Thor: The Dark World, he literally hangs it on a coat rack. <laughs> <laughs> puts right. it up there. So. That was like a great moment. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> real talk, Thor: The Dark World does have some really like choice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some really Loki choice. Loki was the best humor. part of that movie, I think. Oh yeah. He, he was, was having like, fun. He was having a blast, just being mischievous. The Warriors guy. Three, uh, I think, were also a really fun part of both Thor movies, really. Uh, and I feel like they really got the short end of the stick in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> they need to make room for chords and mink. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that they had a moment in it. I just they're such great sight. It's a weird moment, but yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Oh, I liked yeah. it. I think what's so great, just overall, just the like I mean, it's such a Disney thing to do, but they just hit so many right like emotional tones in this movie with like people um, that like care about each other and they're like this weird bunch of like family in a way you know like a found family yeah and they've all got these different issues that works out really well together like I feel like these like and they've done a good job of establishing you know obvious issues you know like even with like the blatantly obvious to the very subtle like you know I think like I think that I love the fact that Thor had insecurities you know about his like his place in the group you know meanwhile you have Hawkeye who is fully aware of it and just does what he can anyways you know (laughs) you Uh, think about Thor having insecurities you just look at Hawkeye and be like why are you here (laughs) Um, just imagine how he feels yeah I know right I'm a guy with a bow and arrow (laughs) I think think that's another thing that uh, you know 
you can you can make the case that uh, Age of Ultron does is it really gives Hawkeye his moment because in, in yeah. the first uh, like you see him first in Thor, uh, but in the first event like not the first Avengers in the first Avengers movie, um, like he's there, like he's he's like there there mm-hmm. like like a third of it yeah like a half like maybe a quarter he's in, he's in mind control world he's mind controlled for the most part and so like you don't really get like Clint Barton yeah uh, in a, in a any major way and, and Age of Ultron is really like no this is Clint Barton and and like here's why you should here's why you should care about him. yeah and man when they open up Endgame game with that scene with this, and it's, oh, it's so sad because so as soon as you saw it you knew exactly what was gonna happen it's yeah. just like it's like they're so happy oh no yeah. no and you can't be happy what's so interesting right and then this was one of the like one of the, like the saddest parts for me it was just seeing Tony being happy that he had a family it was something that he wanted so desperately and he had it yeah. and he wasn't sure if he wanted to give that up because it was mm-hmm. such a big sacrifice to him and just seeing similar tones in Hawkeye as well it's like you know he was okay with leaving the superhero life behind you know yeah. he just wanted the family and then once that like his most important important part of him was taken away you know like you just saw the person that he was you know and like that's that's some really dark but really cool character development from mm-hmm. Hawkeye yeah, it went down a really dark road after some, that too some John Wick uh, man style, yeah. I wish uh, we had a, I wish we had a little John bit. Wick you lost your doc he yeah. lost three kids in one one okay? <laughs> and then he loses his best friend later on so, yeah, yeah. I, I would have loved to see a little bit more of Hawkeye in that state, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Um, yeah. We need to have like a like a spinoff movie of Hawkeye in, well, in those five years. Well, we do. Well, I, I, John Wick movie. I don't know that we need that. I think. Okay, fine. I yeah. think like an anthology movie of like Hawkeye episodes of him going off and doing different missions. Yeah. I think would be pretty cool. Even Budapest. an animated thing, you know? What happens in Budapest? <laughs> I was gonna say uh, death, sex, and robots, except for except <laughs> Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Jeez, yeah, like it's just. I think it just can't be on some like just how like Marvel Marvel franchise is one of those few franchises that has a a separate bar for just them. Like when we're talking about these low points stuff like that, even our least favorite Marvel movie isn't that terrible of a movie. None of these movies are straight up trash. It's not mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. Exactly. Four stick. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, it's it's truly special the thing that Marvel has built with this MCU and what we are now calling it the Infinity Saga as we Mm -hmm. go forward and I think the last thing to talk about here is that do you think like that they can repeat this you know this is the first time we've had a moment to kind of and this is why we're talking about it to really breathe and kind of like appreciate all the work they've done mm-hmm. kind of like how Thanos was at the end of Infinity War it's like yes <laughs> I, I have accomplished my goals do you think that Marvel can um because they're at kind of at a different point because they're not going back to square one yeah they're kind of they're going back to like square four yeah because they're resetting, but they're resetting with already established characters. So the you know? soft reset. Yeah. Reboot. yeah. So can you see them repeating something like the Infinity Saga? Which, let's t- let's keep in mind here, nothing to greatly appreciate about this is that this was over the course of 11 years. Yeah. So if we want to see another Endgame movie, you're going to have to wait another 11 years. I you know? Potentially. I th- yeah, I think that they... It's a long stretch, but I think that they could do it. But at the same time, a lot of the fans, I, I believe a lot of the fans are done. Like, we 
<laughs> it's like when Pepper's talking to Tony when he's dying. It's like you can rest now. It's like we can rest from uh, from the MCU. You know, we've we've watched our characters, like our favorite characters, and now it it we feel like we can let go. Yeah, we've we've put in the time. Yeah, um, and we can we can take a break. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a it's a good question, isn't it? Um. You know, are they going to be able to replicate it? I don't. I don't think so. I think. Uh, they're still going to be able to make quality movies because they have their formula and they have, you know, really talented people working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, you know, continuing to work with, you know, good directors and, and all that sort of thing. <clears throat> um, but I feel like the... Like, on the one hand, it's probably going to serve them well that they have some established characters that they can, you know, kind of work with. But I feel like they almost would have been better off if they had, like, like a hard stop... And like a new, longer like, break, yeah, and like maybe not introduce as many characters before, and like start off with like completely right. new characters. Like if you'd saved, say uh, you started from the X Men and then kind of built out, and then kind of going back into familiar territory down the road, but you started from a yeah. different point that was just so far off removed from where we were. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of what rides this is that we were all feeling like every single movie ties in with the big finale so we have to be hardcore fans in order to fully appreciate it and now that that's over I feel like I'm just going to be more like a casual fan yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel that they have to I think I think that's a good point and I think what that means for them to repeat the success is that they have to give us a new reason to want that mm-hmm. they have to give us a new reason to want to invest 11 years worth of movies to get hyped to this level of a finale, you know? Um, and it's not impossible. There's plenty of good things to pull from the comics that they can do still. Yeah. Um, obviously, Thanos was one of the bigger ones, but certainly not the biggest that they could possibly do. No. Um, but it is it is kind of the, you know, it's kind of the, the difficulty of, like, a D&D campaign. It's like, oh, when you deal yeah. with a bunch of apocalypses, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, how do you keep it interesting? Like, what are the stakes going to be? And I think they almost have to go the opposite direction yeah. to make smaller, more contained, yeah. more personal movies I agree. Yeah. that kind of that more stand on their own. They should kind of re- like what DC is doing now with uh, Aquaman and Shazam. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a more like standalone movie, and they, uh, they are very personal, very contained yeah. movies. I, c- I couldn't agree more. I really think they need to dial it back before they can amp it back up. Yeah, you, know? you don't need to have another uh, conglomeration of yeah. characters all back together. And I don't feel particularly compelled to watch Captain Marvel too. So. Yeah. Um, do you? What well, I think it's so interesting is I was trying to think of comparisons, right? Of things like living up to this hype, and I realized that one of the reasons why it's so uncertain is that, that there's literally nothing else to compare it to. I can't think of one other franchise that's had to try to recreate something of this scale. I just Except don't. For Star think Wars. Well, because Star Wars, even though you're not, they don't have as many movies, but it's still like a similar. Like it's the probably the closest thing to like. Mm. The, the scope True. of it. Not Good nearly as many characters. Right. Uh, not nearly as many movies, but I think that's the only thing that you could really, like, even compare them to. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think I would argue that Star Wars may be heading to that point, but I don't think Star Wars has fin- has gotten to its overarching finale. You know? But it doesn't really have to, like, it's the Skywalker uh, line is going to be at an end in episode nine. 
And I feel uh, like that's that's kind of the thing we've been waiting for in a way. Right. You know, it's, that's the kind of the solid tone that's been throughout all the Star Wars movies, the Skywalkers. Kind of like how we've been seeing Iron Man and Captain America and all these. Mm-hmm. That's been the consistency, and it's about their their finale that's kind of wrapping this up in a way. Star Wars has a different universe, I would say, because it started off as a movie and then it expanded into TV shows and comic books mm-hmm. and, and novels and su- stuff like that. With this one, it's coming from so many comic books, issues, and uh, storylines, and then being condensed into 23 movies. Um, so I don't know if we're able to compare it really just because they're such different creatures, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that <clears throat> Rise of Skywalker is going to be the end game of Star Wars, um, yeah. which is which is unfortunate because it just simply does not have that type of hype behind it. Yeah, you know, um, I'm sure people are excited. Sure, but the the hype behind Endgame is something that only a very few movies have ever captured before. You know, other things that come to mind being the last of the Rings movie, being the last Harry Potter movie. You know, those things where people were like just like biting at the nails for this conclusion of a series and like even like those still I feel like kind of pale in comparison when it Cause, comes to yeah because they're adaptations like they're direct adaptations rather than spiritual adaptations exactly. the way the Marvel so, movies like, are in a way they kind of <clears throat> knew like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings you kind of knew how it was yeah you know go. how it's going to end but you want to see it are we still going to see that dark universe thing you remember that no no okay. no that's dead <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That was yeah. weird. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's. What fun. is it? The Universal Dark or whatever it's called. Yeah, it was the Universal Dark or something where they had a uh, Dracula and the Mummy and the Invisible Man. I don't know. But they, so, they announced a whole bunch of movies and then uh, they, they photoshopped all these like, actors together into had, like, one two picture. Two of them come out and then yeah. they're just sort of like, oh, this. What were like, the movies again? There was Dracula <laughs> and then there was the Mummy. I think I think those were the only two that came out. Frankenstein, I Frankenstein. Mm. No, they were talking about older. stuff like that. Like here's yeah. our pitches for the future movies, and they just hard stopped. Um, kind of a fun, well, along those veins of the conversation. Kind of a fun thing to leave us off with is that I feel like a lot of as many other successes are treated. A lot of people are going to try to replicate this to some facet or another. And I think that it's only a matter of time, even if it takes like a decade, it's only a matter of time before someone finally else pulls off a, a successful expanded universe of movies similar to Marvel and how they've done their movies. What do you think is going, like what could you imagine being the first one to successfully replicating something even close to similar to what Marvel has done as far as expanded universe type movies go? I don't think they will. Like, I don't know that this can be replicated because I want to say that in trying to replicate it, um, you're not going to do justice to the source material that you're pulling from. So they tried, uh, they've been trying, DC has been trying to catch up, play catch up with Marvel for years Mm -hmm. uh, and just has not been doing well uh, for the most part. They have um, six movies and three of them are even like passable right well I mean uh, that's not really fair they just they haven't been doing great uh, in terms of establishing a universe and creating characters that people like and retaining their actors Um, but I think if anyone had a a chance to kind of do that uh, it would have been DC because they have such a catalog of of stories and characters and and lore to pull from Um, like I think it would have to be 
it has to be a comic book family so like maybe if they reboot X-Men but like that belongs to Disney now so it's, they, so it's they're, they're more likely to pull it in yeah, and like exactly. fold so it into the X-Men universe um, so yeah I don't that's the thing like it would have to be like a brand new property I don't well, know we saw kind of an interesting proposition that didn't pan out as well as people wanted to but Glass mm-hmm. where they kind of pulled in from a couple of movies that didn't seem like they connected but like oh but wait they do you yeah. know um, and they gave they gave hint to, hints to it in one of the movies um, yeah. but I mean overall um, that was kind of like an interesting concept unfortunately it didn't play out as well as people thought it might right. but I, I think that was a cool attempt you know? I think that's like I don't know that they would even want to try to like bring it on the scale uh, that yeah. that Marvel did. Marvel's think, such a massive unbelievable scale. That, right. Like and even even Game of Thrones is like what what they've done with Game of Thrones, you know, uh, questions about the last season or a couple of seasons aside uh, has been super impressive in terms of adaptation. Yeah. Um, but even then it's like it's it's a single TV show. They're probably going to do a couple of spin-offs uh, depending, but like even then it's it's going to be pretty well contained, I think. Uh, I want to say that the only the only series of books that I can think of that has even a shot at becoming uh, something on the level of the Marvel movies is the Wheel of Time series. Um, it's like a 14 book series. All hmm. the books are like 800, 1200 pages. Um, there are just a wealth of characters and like like a whole bunch of culture and like uh, all this sort of thing. And uh, there's enough, I feel like there's enough meat there that if they decided to adapt it, uh, they would be able to like really make a good run of it but i think it is again it is better suited to like a tv show um which i don't think is going to have the the cultural yeah. impact of the marvel movies yeah they have this movies type because that's the thing is that a lot of similar things honestly it's just similar to compare to tv than it is for movies and i think tv is almost as like tv now not tv in the past necessarily but tv now is such uh, is way more um it's so much more mature of a medium and not even in terms of the content but like you can spend so much more time yeah uh like adapting and like bringing in all the disparate elements Mm. and and really like focusing on the arcs of characters and storylines and plot and all this sort of thing and like you can really take your time with it and and do it right yeah um and i don't think that like like we keep like saying see, this like seeing Game of Thrones in a way when you think about it they're taking a bunch of different storylines yes it's in the same show itself yeah. but in a way it's kind of an expanded universe within its own identity yeah. you know? one singular story and something that's interesting is that Marvel didn't only just take movies and connect them all together they also did TV shows you know the Netflix movies or Netflix TV shows they had Luke Cage Daredevil Jessica Jones yeah. Iron Fist and that was that was kind of similar but they also had time to much more time than the like regular characters in the MCU movies to uh, flesh out the characters and bring mm-hmm. them to life and just focus on them solely. Um, so you're talking about how for the Wheel of Time mm-hmm. uh, it would be if they made it as a TV show it might work better. What if they did that but did it sort of in the MCU Netflix sort of way where they had different characters or different storylines and then mesh them together? Um, would it work? It, it might. You, uh, the Wheel of Time, I think, is complicated enough that you could probably do two or three shows mm-hmm. um, that you know interweave. Um, but it's 
it's like a large scale uh it's like it's like if you if you take Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones uh and then you add in uh like a just a buttload of magic mm-hmm. I I think if you if you take Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and Star Wars and like mash them all together, you kind of have Wheel of Time. Mm. Um, and so I think they they'd almost be better off um, picking like like doing a season for like one set of characters and then a season for another set of characters and mm. then like to split them up by seasons and okay. like they're happening concurrently but there's so much going on that you you don't really want right. to split it it's up it's like by the same episodes. story but from different points of view it's right, like exactly. if one episode of Black Mirror was an entire season for one character or something and yeah. then it'd go on continually okay yeah uh, um, it, it is complicated it, and it's a, it's a fantastic series uh, like it's really like it takes a while to get into each book, and by the end of it, like it's rip roaring through, and then you you get back to the next book, and it like starts off slow again. So that's kind of an adjustment, and they are really long books, but I think overall, like it's a really solid series. Um, I I don't I'm not really confident that anyone has like the the know how to well, really adapt. See, the it thing properly. is, is that what makes the Marvel thing such a perfect. Um, place to take this from is that it's got the story side of it where it really expands the stories to pull from mm-hmm. but it's also got the um, the pop culture significance yeah. you know I think that's also important because that drives the hype you right. know that's definitely got the story aspect of something that could craft into it but the pop culture side of it's a little bit lacking right. um, something that I have kind of on the other end of this is that I could see um, especially with the success of Detective Pikachu in Nintendo st- style almost like expanding universe except the thing is that the there Smash isn't much universe. yeah I know the Smash <laughs> universe I, like pop culture wise mm-hmm. I think that makes sense you know there's okay. a lot of stuff to drive people to do it and the only challenge would be really crafting stories that not only make sense to, to make movies for but also work together with all the things and it's it definitely sounds crazy and I'm definitely not saying that it isn't crazy but let's not forget that at one point good superhero movies didn't exist and people thought that that was crazy that yeah. to make a good superhero movie I mean I uh, I see your point about that I do think that uh, it's kind of like it's comparing apples and oranges in a way yeah because it's definitely not set up in the way that Marvel is it right. would take a lot more work but as far as if you're if you're someone whether you're someone who wants to make something amazing or you're someone who just wants a lot of money and mm-hmm. you're looking for other places to pull from to match what Marvel is doing that's one of the few places that I can see at least for the pulp culture side of things story wise it's really not there but to be honest, if you're going to work with something that's lacking the story department, that does make sense to do movies and not TV shows for it because there isn't as much story to much make. To go with it. I think the, I think trying to combine uh, the different aspects of the of the N- Nintendo like uh, catalog. Uh, narratively would be just a disaster (laughs) Uh, because like the worlds exist on their own and like trying to combine them would just I don't think that would work particularly well Um, I'm trying to think where I was going with this Um, yeah I wonder if uh, 
in the Smash Brothers um, Ultimate, you know, because the Smash Bros actually have story, mm-hmm. you know? I wonder if the Smash Bros Ultimate, I know they included all the characters in just like some big apocalypse type, you know, storyline, you know, yeah. with Kirby being the only survivor and has to bring everyone else back. Um, <laughs> um, I'm wondering if they had a good reasoning in the because I haven't played the story that yeah. or Hardy Boys. I wonder if they had a good reasoning for how they all exist in the same universe. So, so two things. One, this sounds like the Ultimate Showdown video from back in like 2007 or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was. Uh, and the other thing is. I almost don't want them to do this. Like, I don't want them to do this generally, but I specifically don't want them to do this because uh, considering how bad video game movie adaptations have been up to this point, Mm. it could only go horribly. Well, I think what something that makes Marvel so great is that, from what I can tell, uh, a good portion of the people behind these movies at least a part of the making process mm-hmm. pitching process and funding process whatever that's a separate thing in itself but as far as people who are in the production making the movie these are people who really honestly care about doing these justice and you've never had I've never seen such a dedicated group of people getting something right like mm-hmm. this you know and we haven't seen any of that in the video game atmosphere for movies yet. We haven't seen... It's all been cash grabs. We haven't seen a dedicated people who wanted to make, say, a Zelda movie because they love Zelda, and that's the main driving factor. They didn't want to do it because it's an easy cash grab and they wanted the, and they had like, the license. Like, no, because they had a good idea for a story that fits within that universe, mm-hmm. and them understanding it wanted to be the ones to do it right, and we haven't seen that yet. I think uh, Marvel's a good example, and I think Star Wars is again a good example of just like the the really good Star Wars movies are the ones where like the people making it or the directors specifically are really passionate about the subject material. Yep. Um, I think that really bodes well for the Mandalorian show that's coming mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, just watching the panel with John Favreau, like you can tell that he is like super jazzed. Which about is it. great because I know Mandalorians specifically have a very like it was a sh- very passionate fan. Yeah. Oh yes, we love them so much. Yeah. So it's that's definitely a good thing to get right. You know, could also be a big turnaround for Star Wars and like I guess in a way. Because we don't. Star Wars is very linear right now. They haven't really expanded yeah. to many assets. But you know, if they play with TV shows more and make more assets and different storylines, Star Wars could be a potential candidate for a expanded universe style, you know, thing. But right now, it's not built that way. It's built very linearly. I mean, they you know? have. They currently have three TV shows. Yeah. Like that. They well, they had. They finished Clone Wars and they're doing another season. Well, they're. They, yeah. they stopped doing Clone Wars and then they're starting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a Clone Wars movie. They have Rebels, which I think is finished, and now they have Resistance, which is they also, which I guess they also have the mini miniseries, the the Clone Wars miniseries that were turned into two movies. Oh yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. cartoon the network, like Samurai uh, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and I guess my biggest problem about those shows is that they they fit like they purposely fit very neatly within the existing Star Wars movies. They don't mm-hmm. try to branch out. They don't try to go into unexplored territory. Sure. You know? And I think we're going to see some really new unexplored territory with these new shows coming up, and that's really exciting. I mean, the, the, Ma- the Mandalorian, I think, is is still going to fit pretty neatly. Like, it's supposed to be immediately post-Return of the... Or not immediately, but like... A couple like, years. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a sl- 
partly after uh, Return of the Jedi and the aftermath of taking down the Empire and uh, trying to establish a new Republic. Uh, so yeah, I, again, I think I think that that's where that fits. Um, but it'll be interesting to see like what they start to create once they kind of ball everything else that has come up up to that point. Like keep that in yeah. its own kind of bubble and start like exploring in different areas. So Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's all related to just yeah. expanding the universe because that's one of the things I want to talk about is just the style of how Marvel is releasing movies. And I think that it's something we could potentially never see again. You know, Marvel was in a very specific spot to make this happen, you know? And I don't honestly know that when they... No, I know for a fact when they at least started making Iron Man, they did not have this in mind. You know, when they started making more movies, that's when they started crafting yeah. this idea. But when they first put out the first um, MCU movie, it was not intended to be an MCU movie, if you will, you know? Um, I, I disagree. I think, um, like, it was still... I don't think it was supposed to be as big as it, as <laughs> I it got. I don't think anyone would expect it to be this big. I think... I, I want to say that the, the idea of the first Avengers was, like, part of it. Like, oh, it's like if... Yes! Because we have... We have Iron Man, we have Hulk. If those two do well, we can kind of build up to Avengers and like that would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, and that would be a great way to cap off the series. Like, um, also, yeah. Avengers was and see that's another thing, right? Is that Avengers is something that's canon within the comics mm -hmm. as a, a very canon way to bring all the characters together. Yeah. You know, so it's with Star Wars, you don't really have that there isn't like you don't have a you, well we don't have established canon like we're we're pulling from like right but there isn't like now. a book that's yeah. like oh and this is the series of the books where all the characters come mm -hmm. together it's kind of I mean you, you kind of have I mean you can well uh, you don't have specific like you have specific characters from the movies and the shows and such but like you don't have a like a body of work that has established characters yeah. in it that they're beholden to uh, well even Marvel's not really beholden to it but like that they're going to pull from um, the, well, I mean they're, yeah they're picking bits and pieces from yeah, legends they're, or they're, creating their own they're pulling thing. things back in uh, from legends I think Thrawn is the biggest example of that yeah. um, so so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how I'm that, not sure if they did him justice out. or not but well, they brought him back so well, that's all I got. It'll be very interesting, like, as we said before, Marvel's actually got a, kind of a break going on. Disney actually just officially released uh, their, their so-far plan scheduled for Marvel movies, yeah. saying that uh, we could potentially only see... Uh, we're at least only getting one movie um, next year. Yeah. Like, maybe two, but it's scheduled for the end of 2020, so we very could well only get one Marvel movie next year, but then 2021 is when the floodgates really open up again, and we get, I think, four right now. Uh, three movies a year? Like, yeah, they, they want to go back to three movies a year, but if the one in late 2020 gets pushed back to 2021, then we're looking at a four-year, or unless if they take one of those 2021 movies and push mm -hmm. it to 2022... But yeah, so basically, from what I've heard, based off of expectations of what stuff has gone in production and what mm -hmm. stuff has started on the back end of things, um, the two things that have really only started to have their gear spin is Black Widow and um, The Eternals. Okay. Those are the only two things that even started any sort of production. So Aside from Guardians 3? No, no. no. Not even that? No, because yeah. they... They kind of did, mm -hmm. and they did a hard stop, and now basically all of that has to essentially be tossed, you know? Start over. Yeah, um, because James Gunn said he's not even going to start working on it until the beginning of 
2020. Okay. So there's no way it's going to be ready for 2020, you right. know? Because um, as of right now, if something's going to be released in 2020, we're going to know by it by the end of summer, okay. you know? That's kind of like the cutoff as far as how long it takes to make a movie. Right. But I would be very surprised if we didn't get to the Black Widow movie next year. Mm -hmm. um, and I think The Eternals... Uh, I'm going to say either January or February of 2021 is my guess. But they're pitching it as being in November at the moment, which I don't think is going to happen based off of what I've seen. I don't know anything about the Eternals. Me so neither. That, that and that'll be, be exciting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if it's any indication of what Guardians have done, it'll be really cool to see a potential repeat of that type of nature movie, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Something with no expectations, right. you know? Uh, yeah, I think uh, as unenthused as I am about the... the future prospects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that could all change with a single trailer it's true so. I am very excited about the new Spider-Man movie yeah yeah, good um, I, I think there's, there's going to be some nice things to help close off you know as an, in addition to Endgame because I mean also technically the Spider-Man movie is the last movie of this phase technically Endgame yeah. wasn't the last movie of the phase so. which is like a weird habit that they have yeah, they yeah. yeah. <laughs> twice yeah, yeah. yep all right. Well, this was a really fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, I was actually like super looking forward to doing this and just having it just time just to talk about MCU stuff, you yeah. know, not talk about one movie or just some theory. Like, no, just kind of take a moment to really appreciate what it is because it's something special. Yeah. And sure. I know for a fact that me witnessing Endgame is something I'm going to tell my kids that I witnessed and lived through and what it was like to witness these movies through and through, you know? Mm -hmm. And like... Survive Endgame. Yes, we survived yeah. Endgame. And it's, yeah, it's something that's really special and it sounds super corny, but I don't care. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> It'll be like when uh, people would talk about how they, you saw the first hours and they tell their kids that. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. This is this is our this is our Star Wars, if mm. you will. Well, that's not sort of. That's not be hyperbolic. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars is yeah, up yeah. there. So. All right. Well, this has been inconceivable. Thank you for listening to us. And if you've been listening to us um, on any of the podcast platforms that we're on, being iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find podcasts, did you know that you can also watch us on YouTube? So feel free to look at our channel there at GeekKind. And also check out our website at geekkind.tv to find all of our content all in one place. That's all I got. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And we'll see you next time. Stay kind, geeks. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, Father's Day. Yep, just got 25% off some champion t-shirts at Kohl's. My dad's all about staying active. Sounds terrific. <laughs> Was that a dad joke? I felt fitting. Like the yard games I got from my husband. They were 50% off and I got Kohl's cash. It's the best feeling, isn't it? What, the deals or the Kohl's cash? Or getting it in less than an hour with free store pickup. Well, all the above. Select styles. Sale ends June 20th. Coupons do not apply to champions. See store or Kohl's.com for details. 
up. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 